My prayer life brings me so much closer to you. You know, and I'm thankful to God for having friends who we can look to. We can pray one for another in the good times, in the not so good times, that we can be there to encourage one another and be a blessing to one another. I want to share a message with you all this morning. I trust by God's grace it will be somewhat challenging to some of you. And not only challenging, but it will be somewhat of a blessing to you. I'm going to preach from the book of Judges, chapter 6. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, I'll commence my reading from verse 11. I want to talk about the call of Gideon. How God called this man to do his bidding and what went on. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abia's right. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. O Father and our God, we come to thy throne of grace, Lord, with full confidence, Lord, knowing that we will obtain mercy thereof, Lord. I ask, O God, your blessing upon each one here. I pray, O God, that you would search us, remove the sins from our lives, O God. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your mercies would extend upon us, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would give unction as your word is being preached, and God, that those who are your people, O God, would be blessed by it, O God, would be encouraged by it, Lord. And if there be those within our midst, Lord, who may not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, O God, that they would see the goodness of God and that they would trust you as Lord, trust your Savior. Dear God and Father, bless this church, O God. Bless our brethren, Lord, and may you take care of the need, O God. And you know the need that is deepest here, Lord. You put it all in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Within the pages of the Bible, there are many, many accounts of persons who have been called to special service. Among them is to be found this man Gideon. At the time when this was going on here, the nation Israel was in dire straits. Things were difficult. They were under the captivity of the Midianites, and they were continuously being hounded 
by other surrounding nations that were inimical to them. Now, the nation Israel, after experiencing many, many wonderful blessings from Almighty God, they persisted in their evil ways of worshipping idols, turning away from the true and the living God and worshipping the gods of the Amorites. They were very, very often guilty of spiritual adultery. Now, anyone who reads the Bible, if you go through those first five books in the Bible, you would see the hand of God in creation. You see the hand of God in destroying the earth and, and remaking it, um, new, putting uh, Noah and his family there. You would see how God called one man out of, of the Chaldees, and through that man, the nation Israel came. You would see the deliverance from Pharaoh's bondage there, where they were there. They stayed in Egypt for 400 years. And then uh, there was a, a Pharaoh who didn't know them. And what happened after? They were placed in slavery. And they kept on. And God sent his deliverer Moses unto them. Moses, God used him mightily, and they were delivered. They got into their own land. But in spite of all the blessings that they enjoyed, in spite of all God's hand of mercy upon them, blessing them tremendously, they were stiff-necked and a hardened nation. And very often you would find them leaving the way of God and going to the way of Cain, the way of Balaam. They kept on doing things contrary to God's way. This thing says low battery. They had established a pattern. If you look at their pattern, they they would go into apostasy. After apostasy, they would be in bondage through captivity by various nations. Then they would repent of their sins. Then they would come before God and beg God. And God would deliver them. And if you, if you look at the, the, the history of the nation Israel, you would see that that was a pattern in them. After they were delivered, they would fall back into apostasy and the circle would go around. Presently, they had been in slavery to the Midianites for seven years. Now God, in pity, was going to come once more and deliver them as he usually did. Why? Because they were his people. He cared for them. He loved them with an everlasting love, just like you and I. We have our problems. We have our problems. But what did he say? He said, I would never leave you, neither will I forsake you. He says, you will always be with me. I will always be with you. No matter what's a problem in your life, I am there for you. And so, he provided a deliverer for the nation Israel. Because he cares for his people. You know, I like what Peter says in First Peter 5 and 7. He says, casting all our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. He loves us. He would never leave us. He would never forsake us. And so, there is no situation in our lives that God cannot deliver us from. None. Whatever the problem, 
And sometimes our attitude to these problems causes the problems to us. Our attitude towards this. The songwriter says, I thank God for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I would never know that God could solve them. I would never know what faith in God can do. Through it all, through it all. We've learned to give God all the praise, all the glory. He's God, he's deserving of it. Now you would find here because of his love and his concern for his people, he is calling his chosen one to do his bidding. Looking at this encounter between Gideon and the Lord, and there's a lot of stuff in this portion of scripture we can talk about. I mean, there were tons of, last night I was going through this again, and there was so much stuff that kept coming in my head. I said, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep you all here till tonight. You know. But, uh, looking at the encounter between Gideon and the Lord, there are some things that stand out clearly. And these I would like to bring to your attention. First of all, we would look at the call issued. The call that was issued. And I'll read back a few verses here. And there came an angel of the Lord sat under an oak which was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash Yahweh's right. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon said unto him, My Lord, is the Lord be with us? Why then is all this befallen us? If you go to verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? What was Gideon doing? The Bible says Gideon was threshing wheat by the winepress. Now, if you know anything about threshing wheat, and you know anything about a winepress, you know that he was doing something good, but he was at the wrong place. But there was a reason for that. They were under the captivity of the Midianites and the nation Israel, they were, they were in deep, deep, deep straits. Things were tough for them. And probably the little bit of wheat he had, now a threshing floor was always on a, on a height because when they were winnowing, they had to be a little high to get the wind to come and, and, and separate the, the wheat from the shaft. So it was, a, that's why if you're on a height there, then it is sure that you were going to be seen from a distance. So he went by the wine press. And that is where he was actually threshing the wheat. For seven years Israel had been plundered by their enemies. And so in their impoverished state with barely any means of survival, the little wheat was being threshed away from the threshing floor for privacy from the Midianites. While he was so engaged... We see God's call unto service to him when the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, this was no mere appearance of just an ordinary angel. If you read there and you study that a little bit, you would see that this was what we would call a Christophany. It was an appearing of the pre-incarnate Christ. That is also called a theophany. And... um just mentioning this by chance, really. There are three types of theophanies you would find in the Old Testament. One, you would find God appearing in a non-human form. Like, for instance, in the book of Exodus, God appeared as a burning bush. 
You will find he appeared as a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He, applied, he appeared as a whisper to Elijah and in visions to other prophets. You will find that he also appears as a man. The best known revelation of God in the form of a man happened in Genesis 32 when Jacob wrestled with that man all night. Moses spoke about God face to face on Mount Horeb. But Jesus revealed to us that God is spirit. So therefore, even though you see God as a man, as they saw God as a man, that was not God person, personality, because Jesus said that God is spirit. And they that worship him are spirit, worship him in spirit and truth. So any human manifestation of God, it is not his true form. And of course we see him appearing as angel. And this is the, the most common way in which he appeared in the Old Testament. It is recorded over 60 times in the Old Testament that God appeared as an angel. Now, many Bible commentators think that these Old Testament manifestations are actually called Christophanies or pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus Christ. And the angel of the Lord is unique from other angels and is linked directly to Jehovah God himself. So, we see the Lord choosing to appear to Gideon and not to any other of the Jews and calling him unto the service of delivering his people from the bondage they were in beneath the Midian, the Midianites. <coughs> Gideon was called while he was involved in his own work. And sometimes, I remember it was in 2001 when I was working, I was living in, in, in Horn Lake, Mississippi, and the Lord kept dealing with me. I was working for Dell. I had a good job. I had good um, medical insurance, good retirement and all these things. And the Lord kept dealing with me. And kept, I was so engrossed in my work, trying to make a living for me, my family, you know, as, as, as we should be doing. But the Lord started dealing with me that I need to quit my job and go back to the Caribbean, go back to Trinidad. And I didn't know how I was going to live. I didn't know how I was going to make it out there. And after about six months of struggling with the Lord, and there might be someone here in this church building right now who feel that they are being called by the Lord in some area, and you might be struggling with it. I went through that. I struggled for six months, and I was miserable. I would be driving, I had a, one of those Dodge caravans I used to drive and go to, go to work with. While driving, I had to drive 40 minutes. While driving there, I would be crying in that, in that vehicle going. When I'm coming back from work, I'll be, tears would be coming out of my eyes. And I fought that for six months. I'll tell you something, if God wants you to do something, you are going to be miserable if you're not doing it. You're not going to have peace in your heart. So, Gideon is occupied in his personal work, as most of us are. And we might be focusing on our own work. But where there is no vision, the people will perish. You, may God give you a vision to see where you can, as we, we like that phrase, stand in the gap. There is a need, and you might be, you might be called by God to fill that need. So, 
Do not think about only your own work and your own way of existing. God has a way of taking care of things. There is a need existing. Now, I, God is saying now to Gideon, I want you to be involved in my work. Forget your threshing. Forget what you're doing there. Forget taking care of your family. I need for you to be involved in my work, the deliverance of my people. And sometimes when God says that to us, we have to just drop everything and do what God wants us to do. And again, I would say, when I did that, I didn't know how I was going to live. I didn't know where a penny was going to come from. I used to get about $300 a month support as a, a home missionary because I had a ministry going into prisons in Memphis. But um, I just upped and I, I told my family, I said, I can't, I can't stay here any longer. I've got to go. And it was in 2001 I went back to Trinidad and there surrendered to what God wanted me to do. God might be calling you just as he called Gideon. Secondly, we must look at the commendation that is given to Gideon here. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. This tells us that Gideon was a man who was chosen by God. He was a vessel that was chosen unto honor by God. Now, not at all times would God use people like Gideon, but in this case he did. Now, Gideon was a, a, a he was, he was a strong man. He was a, he was a, he was a man who knew about war to some extent. He was a man who was strong in the sense that physically he was very strong. And God decided to use this man, but bear in mind, you may not, you may not be as strong physically as Gideon was or even others, but we know that God uses people who sometimes are weak and feeble. In the book of First Corinthians one twenty six, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men are after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But in this case, we notice that he was going to use Gideon, a man of valor, he called him. This probably was a boost to his confidence. Yet we would see as we go on later that it didn't do much to his confidence. God assures Gideon of his presence with him. The omnipresence of God assures us of his presence everywhere. And in us as believers, if you are being called of God, bear in mind that God is with you. He is with you in a very special way. For the Spirit of God, the third person of the triune Godhead, the Spirit of God indwells every believer. And the believer is sealed by the Spirit of God. The Spirit would never leave him. So it is not you standing by yourself. There always is someone standing together with you. The Spirit of God is always with you. And He would never leave you. <coughs> so bear in mind, if God is calling you in some area this morning, you will never be alone. The battle would never be fought by you alone. You would always have someone there backing you up. We find the description of him being a man of valor is brought about because of the Lord's presence with him. So that tells us, is there any better companion to be with you than the Spirit of God or Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? You know, sometimes our wives would forsake us. Husbands may leave and go. Those closest to you would leave you. 
But the Lord will never leave you. Sometimes I think about my life as a Christian. The things I have done, the things I do, the things by God's grace I will still do. But I do it knowing for sure that I am never alone. It stops me from committing some sins sometimes because I know he's with me. It encourages me to do some things sometimes because I know he's with me. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So the description of him being a man of valor is brought about because of the Lord's presence with him. So is there any better companion to have other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And whatever the battle before you, whatever that battle is before you, whatever that need that is before you, God is able. He is there. And he will do things. And bear in mind, if God wants you to do something, God never discriminates when it comes to service to him. Do not underestimate yourself. Listen, when God called me to be a preacher, it was in 1980. I had just been born again. It was about six months after I was born again. When God called me, I didn't know, I didn't know much. When God called me out to be a missionary in 1983, I was out on my own, I quit my job, everything, I was a building contractor, I quit my job and I went out there. When God called me into the ministry, I didn't know much. But I kept on studying and studying and studying, I never went to Bible school, but I kept on studying and studying. And I did, I, I, I had open communion in church because that is where I came from. When I learned these things were wrong, I was man enough to put my congregation together, tell them, listen, I was wrong. I've been teaching you wrong. We've been practicing wrong. I want for you to forgive me. I lost half my congregation. But we went to, we went to a close communion. The reason why I'm saying this thing, if God calls you in a certain area here, do not expect to be a Charles Haddon Spurgeon as you start. It's not going to be like that. You'll make mistakes. And those who are within the assembly, if you have to point out a mistake, point it out in a positive manner. When I, I, I didn't have anyone to teach me. But I am sure that many of you in this church are very educated. Where Paul was a very educated man. And I'm certain he taught you all a lot. So if some, if someone within this congregation is being called to help, do not, do not think of yourself as being too small or too big. If you're being called, God is going to use you just as you are. And He's the one who would make the improvements in you. Because He used, we see in the Bible, He used the uneducated. He used the uneducated to perform His will. Peter was Peter was a fisherman. He was no high school graduate or college graduate or anything. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter was the one who preached. And 3,000 souls were saved. Peter. On the other hand, you would find he used the educated to the Apostle Paul. 
studied under Gamaliel, very educated man. He was, he was accused of turning the world upside down because of his preaching. So whether you are very educated or whether you are not very educated, God can still use you. God can call you in the area that he wants you to and he can use you. So, do not tell yourself you have to learn anything or everything. God is going to give you what you need. Right? In, in, in the book of John chapter 9 and verse 25, it talks about blind Bartimaeus. When he was healed, when he was questioned, the, he answered them and he said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know is, whereas I was blind, now I see. When they tried to accuse Jesus here. He knew that Jesus had healed him and he shared it with others. And God can use anyone. When I had begun my ministry, I had many problems in it. But by God's grace, I grew out of those things. Then we see that something was happening with Gideon again. There was confidence lacking. For he said in verse 13, and, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord had forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. After being such, given such a commendation by God, Gideon still demonstrated a great lack of confidence. He doubted the presence of God. Why? Because he associated the presence of God only with comfort, only with success. It doesn't be like that all the time. Doesn't matter how tough things are. Doesn't matter the trials you go through. Doesn't matter what problem lies ahead of you. Sometimes you would feel you're all alone, but no, you're not. He's here. He's always there. And we cannot afford to associate the presence of God only when we are comfortable. No. God is here when things are tough too. As a matter of fact, when things are tough, he's more there for us. Because we cannot make it without him. So he is going to take care of everything. So Gideon doubted the presence of God. Why? Because he associated the presence of God only with things being good. Only with comfort. If we are to be used of God, bear in mind that life in Christ is not a promise of only good times. Things will get tough too. In John 16.33 These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Lord himself suffered. And he suffered willingly so. When you think about the road to Calvary it was a very difficult road. He was sentenced to die and he went across at Via de la Rosa. It is said that that place, it was about 650 yards of distance he had to go with that cross, that pitibulum, on his shoulder. And it said that the weight of that would be as much as 110 pounds. And after all that he had gone through, he suffered for us. The nails that were pierced, it is believed that those nails were 7 to 8 inches long and that they were about 3 inches in diameter. So, 
those nails would pierce the median nerve and it would cause spasms of pain, would rack his body. And he went through all of that. When you are in service for God, do not expect that everything is going to be a bed of roses. Things will get tough. Paul, after meeting with the Lord, he expected to be going through tough times soon. Countless servants of the Lord have suffered and died violent deaths. And today you would find that many of us still suffer. I don't want to talk about myself, but praise the Lord anyhow. I can still be here by God's grace. And tomorrow, Lord's willing, I have eight hours ahead of me driving. I'm not sure if I'm going to make all of it. But um, I'll do whatever has to be done. In all the suffering though, in all that you go through, in all that I go through, in all that every servant of God goes through, bear in mind, He always is there to help us through. He always carries us through. No matter how difficult the problem. Beloved, in the Old Testament, His presence was seen through the pillar of fire or the cloud. In the New Testament, His presence is with His Holy Spirit in us who takes up permanent residence in every believer, never to leave us, never to forsake us. Why? Because we are sealed by this Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. The last, last thought I'd like to share with you is a confirmation of success. It says here in verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You'd find like many when called by the Lord to do special service, we bring up many objections. Moses, for instance, what is your objection to your service? Listen, you know what God is doing with you at this moment. You know what God is doing with you at this moment. And you should know what God wants you to do. Nobody has to tell you that. If God has given to you a vision of a position that needs to be filled, that you can do it, I tell you, if you don't do it, you'll be like me. You'll be crying tears all the time. You may bring up whatever objection. But Gideon was assured by the Lord that he will meet with success. But he expressed a poor opinion of himself. And that might be good to some extent. We need not become too proud about ourselves, you know. But always remember, the, the, the battle is God's own. It's not yours. While you are there to be used as an instrument to be to, to bless the people, to be a blessing one to another, God is the one who fights the battle for you. God is the one who gives you success, or God is the one who gives you defeat. That's how we count it. We count success and defeat. But the most important thing is that you stand faithful to God. That's the most important thing. When you go through the successes, when you go through the, 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 the defeats, stand faithful to God. 
So Gideon was assured that he would meet with success, yet he expressed a poor opinion of himself. He had less confidence in himself. And as I said, this is not necessarily bad, for we are to trust in the Lord. He knew, however, that he in his own strength was ill-equipped to conquer the Midianites. That means when we are in doubt, just keep looking to the Lord. God is going to work out things. <coughs> and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. The Lord now reassures him of success. Can you imagine the Lord looking on him and reassuring him? First of all, through his presence. He says, I will be with you. Gideon, I'm going to be with you. This battle is not yours alone. He also reassures him of the certainty of success. He says, thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. As we continue to read, we will see Gideon using only 300 soldiers. Conquering the mighty Midianite army. God has used Gideon mightily in the deliverance of the Lord's people. Can you see yourself this morning? In your limited ability, being used of the Lord in the deliverance of his people? Beloved brethren, listen. God calls unto salvation through his divine choice or his divine election. He also calls unto service in the same way. When the Lord saved me in 1979, there were many people in that church who were there before me. Men I'm talking about. There were, some of them were preaching already. Some of them were teaching Sunday school. And I was a young, I was a young person who came there. But from the moment I went in that church by God's grace, I started moving in leaps and bounds. God gave me grace that I started moving. I started playing the organ in the church. I started a choir. I started doing things in the church. Then I started teaching Sunday school. I started preaching and I made some enemies because I was, I was moving too quickly. But that's how God used me. And I was the one who was first ordained out of all those men there. The reason why I'm saying this is sometimes, sometimes when you're going to do things, you find that there will be opposition. But even though there is opposition, if God wants for certain things to happen, nobody could stop it. So, let me say this to you. <clears throat> God calls people unto service. And we have to recognize that. And Gideon was successful because he was chosen by God for a specific task. That of delivering God's people. There is a need here in this church. And your need is that you need a pastor. A pastor is important. Sheep don't run by themselves. You need someone to steer you. And I don't know, um, sometimes when you have to make decisions, you have to make decisions, right? And um, I don't know what you're all doing. I haven't really talked to anybody in the church, you know. Um, but first thing you need to do, you need to have a pastoral committee. You have to appoint somebody, appoint a few people, elect a few people, discuss with a few people. And if not, we just can't say that we'll sit down and trust the Lord without doing anything. You have to do things, right? 
God also ordained means for things to be done. So while, and I know that y'all are hurting, and I, I almost bought a plane ticket. God is my witness, I almost bought a plane ticket to come up here when I got that news. It was pretty expensive. The ticket was costing about $1,100. And I said, nobody would know I'm coming. Nobody would, you know, expect me there. And um, so I might as well stay home and just keep praying for you all. And I, that's what I do. I continue praying for you all. And this church is very dear to me because you have, you have helped me tremendously. And we have a church building back home because you all, you all helped tremendously. Right? And I'm thankful for that. But um, it is hurting me because I know you don't have a shepherd now. And I would keep praying for you all and I would keep encouraging you. You know one of the things that came to my mind? Gideon was called from among his own people. You all understand what I'm saying there? Gideon was called from amongst his own people. You never know what God can do. And you know they were saying better the devil you know than the one you don't know. <laughs> that may not be the best way to put it, you know, but I've heard it, it said like that. You know, so um, there are people right here in this church who need deliverance. They're suffering from uncertainty. Let us pray that God would provide a, a, a Gideon here. God would provide one. And I, I expect that he will. For he cares for you. And he would never leave you shepherdless. But by God's grace, I am trusting that you will get a pastor as soon as possible. Because... A pastor is absolutely necessary. One more thing I'd like to share with you before I close off. One of the major problems in our churches today is that pastors are not being paid a salary. And because they're not paid a full-time salary, the church suffers. The pastors cannot do what they're supposed to do. And I... it might be strange coming from me, who am a missionary expecting and in need of support as a missionary. But I would say this, our churches need to take care of the pastors first and then take care of missionaries. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth the green. Our churches need to do that. I don't know what it's like here. But if ever you're going to have a pastor, as I hope by God's grace you will soon, think along that line. Because a pastor's job is a 24 hours an hour job. Sister Ronda, you know what I'm talking about. You're a pastor's wife. 24 hours a day. So think about it, pray about it, and may God bless you and may God help you to be led in the proper direction and that you do things as he would want it, for his honor and his glory. That is why we are here today, for his honor and his glory. So I love you all. I'm praying for you. 
And I trust by God's grace that all things will be done for his own and his glory. Does anybody have any question they'd like to ask me about the ministry back home? Any question you want to ask me about the ministry back home? No? Well, I send out reports pretty often. You have a question? Well, as I said, I send out my reports pretty often, so you all will know what I'm doing. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you, God, for your word. I humbly ask for God that you challenge the hearts of your people, O God, and comfort their hearts too, Lord. Let them know that you have not forsaken them, O God. Let them know, O God, that you are there for them in every area and that you will receive your honor and glory from them, O God. Be merciful, Lord. Keep us close to thee. Increase our faith, Lord. And help us, O God, to know that we have a God who cares for us. Be merciful, Lord. Commit all to thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.